You're an entrepreneur, you say? Well, then you have tuned in on the right day and the right channel because I have one of the most relentless entrepreneurs on the planet here with me today. Welcome to the Terry Summers Podcast. You remember those commercials from a long time ago? I don't know. They might still run them, but it was this little bunny rabbit. And the ener- it was the Energizer Bunny or Ever Ready. Maybe it was Ever Ready. I don't know. One of the two batteries. Or maybe it was the Energizer Ever Ready battery. This is not a podcast about batteries, so let me move on. This little rabbit would go and go and go and go and go and go and go. It was relentless and it would never stop. And it was fueled by this high powered or long burning, I guess, battery. But my guest here today is every bit of that metaphor in terms of an entrepreneur. I have known him for years and he comes with just this presence of, yeah, yeah, that's what I do. I do things. I think of things. I create things. I create businesses. I ride the waves. I have ups and downs, but I don't stop. You are going to be inspired, maybe a little frightened, by the relentless Ken Schilling. Okay. Okay. So I see a recording we... in progress. Got it. Awesome. Okay, so we're recording right we now. We are recording, which means that we wow. have, um, I have uh, listeners listening to you. I don't know that you n- knew, but I started a podcast. Well, you probably did. I started a podcast just a little over a year ago, and I really yeah. love it. It is my heart to visit with people. And I know when I asked you if you would be on my podcast and you said, well, can you tell me what we're he- where we're headed a little bit? And really what I love to do is just visit. So if we were okay. recording right now, this very same conversation would take place if I was out there in your studio uh, having an iced tea with you. But um, How about a glass of wine? Okay. Okay. Oh, all right. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Yeah. A <laughs> glass of wine is absolutely fine. Um, uh, and will that actually makes a little bit more sense, even that you said that because of what you do, but I don't want to give everything away. Okay. Um, I met you, I'm trying to think it might tattle on how old you are, but worse than that, it's going to tattle on me. Um, I think we met, don't say anything. And <laughs> we met in 19. That's that first start. Lisa said that century. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh huh. Um, I think it was in 1993. That's probably three or four. I think it's probably a little earlier than that. Maybe it's 90. I don't know. No, it wasn't 90 because I didn't know, I didn't come around. Um, you know, I have so many amazing connections from when I worked at Community Church of Joy. Yeah. Um, and you attended there and your family was there. But that, like, I keep going back to that. I mean, a lot of people um, from that time I've had on my podcast. So I think the yeah. podcast listeners are going to say, what was this, a cult? Well, actually. Um, but... Uh, 
that I met you because I worked with your children and I am still friends with your children. I don't uh, connect as much with your son, but your daughter, I, she might even be a guest on the podcast, but here's Elena what, or Jamie. Yeah, Jamie. Um, Jamie. Well, yeah, and Elena too. I'm sorry. Yes, I didn't mean to forget. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I was just thinking of her um, specifically because I reached out to her. Uh, he, here's the deal. When I heard your name, you know, when you're new and people are talking about people, they talked about you like it's almost like you heard. Oh, oh get out. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Not as I mean, like a big deal. You were a big deal. Now, I don't know if you knew that that was the perception, but I'm, I am completely not exaggerating. So okay. why do you think they would have let me think you were a big deal? I'm not denying that you were, but why do you think that? Well, I think at that time I was a big donor for Community Church Joy. I was the CEO of a high-tech company for a long time. Uh, those were in my more successful years. So, you know, I started a business in 1977, 1988. I hit kind of the brass ring and then rode that for quite a number of years. And uh, then from there, I transitioned into other things. But, you know, I was, I did pretty well. And, and do you, I, I do think you mind telling me what the brass ring was or what that means? I'm, you know, in. Well, I, I opened up an office in San Francisco. And at that time, we manufactured bank branch automation systems. Okay. So everything for the bank branch, the, like the teller equipment and all that. And when I opened up my office in San Francisco, uh, I didn't realize the enormity of the financial institutions that were in California at that time. And uh, in a single year, I got contracts with Wells Fargo, uh, Bank of America, and then it was First Interstate Bank, if you remember that. Yep. They were in Southern California. And Security Pacific Bank, so it was almost like I struck gold. And so the company grew really fast. Our income, personal income grew really fast. So I think people looked at us like we were wealthy or something. And maybe we were in some people's eyes, but were we filthy rich? No, we were just, we owned a business and the business was doing very well. And that lasted for 30 years. And I took the company public uh, not knowing what I was doing in 1998 and that was a good ride for about two years and then the ship sunk so I was kind of left by 2004 I was I was five probably after inventing a whole lot of stuff because that's that's what I do I invent things um, I left the company and then it then it eventually failed but uh, it was, it's a long story. I don't even want to get into it, but it started in Israel and uh, I worked in Israel for a while and, and that's where the problem started. But uh, regardless, that led me to go into to 
film industry. What really started that was I started painting in 2002. And I didn't know if I was going to be any good. I was always artistic. I was always a drawer when I was a kid. And I was a really good portrait drawer. And I always wanted to paint. And literally, I went to get a haircut one day. And the lady that cut my hair for years had a painting in her, in her uh, shop. And I said, wow, that's really nice. I'd like to buy that. So she sold it to me. And I said, where did you learn how to do that? So she told me. And I went and took a few lessons and that started me down a whole nother path. And so I left that high tech company to branch out on my own as a professional artist, which, you know, artists are starving, starving breed, as you well know, um, you know, because they're all different forms of art. You happen to be really good at your, your particular trade. But um, I got invited to do a series of wine labels for a winery up in Sonoma, California. And they invited me up there and uh, for a meeting. And by the time I left the meeting, they had given me my own brand and, and a whole different marketing strategy. <clears throat> so I coined the phrase drinkable art. So we built on that. We started a whole, whole process about how we make wine and how we take uh, the flavors and the colors of the wine and and we, I was doing uh, paintings around that. So I did a whole series of paintings um, for, a, for two different wine labels. And then after that, uh, I left those two wineries and then I started my own brand. It was called Kenneth Schilling Cellars. And when you have a winery, it's like the first day that you buy a new boat. You're the happiest person in the world. Um, and the second happiest day is when you get rid of it. So 2000, <laughs> 2011, I got rid of it. And uh, then I didn't know what I was going to do. So I, I kind of was floundering around for a while. Um, and painting, I was continuing to paint because that for me is the best stress reliever I've ever found. It's, it's the best. But from the winery, I started a couple of products that uh, I didn't know were needed. And Diane and I were really struggling financially, believe it or not. After all the wealth we had and all that, we were, we were really struggling. So I started a couple of new products and one was called the Drink Sling. And I took that product to a flea market. It happens to be a really big flea market. It's literally in my neighborhood where we moved to in Mesa. It's called Mesa Marketplace. And I was there with my paintings for the whole summer and half the winter, and I didn't sell a single painting. And I'm thinking, I better do something because this isn't working. So I had a bunch of drink slings left over from a, a big concert I did out in Peoria because I used to do uh, promotions, wine and music festivals. Um, and so I had a lot of product left over. So I took it to Mesa Marketplace and started showing them there. and it took off like it, like it was on fire. Uh, in a matter of 45 days, I sold 5,000 pieces and people kept asking me, can you do this? Can you do that with this product? And basically it's just a little cup holder with a lanyard that allows you to carry a wine glass. And people wanted it to carry not only wine glass, but a water bottle and all this and all that. So before long, I had a whole line of products that 
was uh, oriented to hydration mobility in organization. And I, I named the company Kanga Life and uh, built a whole series of products around that brand. I used the name Kanga because I developed a product called a Kanga Pro. And the Kanga, the Kanga product itself is just a little bag that has a pocket for a water bottle and a pocket for your phone, a little, uh, a little personal pocket. And it's literally a crossbody bag. It's like a little purse, but anybody can wear it. So I started that, and that's where Kanga came from. And uh, that just took off. It, it was crazy how that took off. So I've been doing that along with everything else, um, still painting and all that. Um, and then back and forth to China about three or four times a year, working with batteries over there so I could build different products. Um, and I'll show you a couple of them. Um, one I have somewhere. Bear with me while I find them. So this this is a product uh, that I developed. It's this is the Kanga Voyager. Okay, that's basically cool. what it is. I would wear that. It's a uh, it's it's metrosexual, so anybody can wear it. I wear it all the time when I'm traveling, but it's basically. Uh, a wallet, a full wallet. Awesome. And Is there a place that I can get a picture of that so I can post it for my viewers? Yeah, I can send it to you. Okay. So inside this pocket back here is a universal bottle pocket. So this pocket opens up and you can put, you can carry a big bottle in here. Can you see that? Get out of town. That is so cool. So people are walking around, they want to be hydrated, they want to carry their personal stuff. This is the uh, this is the phone pocket and then the full wallet. And it's RFID, meaning they can't scan your cards or anything while your cards are in there. Um, but I did it because I was traveling all the time and I thought, man, I'd really like to be able to carry my beverage, whatever that is, usually it's water, um, and all my credit cards and my phone and all that in one, handy little bag so i did that and, and what is that called that's called the it's called the kanga voyager kanga voyager and it's made out of buffalo leather so uh that's the high-end part of the brand and then i also do this bag this is called the kanga traveler super cool and this is an ipad bag with a bottle pocket and a full wallet Oh my also gosh. I'm and, definitely uh, going to provide information so my audience can see these. In a in a phone pocket, and uh, inside you can't see it, but there's a pocket for your iPad and all kinds of personal items and that. And that this is the logo. So I developed that, and I and did a whole series of bags around carrying computers and uh, hydrating with bottles and wallets and all that. Now my newest bag has a removable wallet, so you can leave your bag in a hotel room when you're traveling. You can take the wallet off, wear a crossbody, and carry carry that information that you need to carry with you on a daily basis. But the last time I was, well, not 
last time, but about two and a half years ago, I was in China attending a show called the Canton Fair. And I saw uh, a company, a very large company, demonstrating something like a Brita water pitcher. And I don't know if you know anything about Brita or those yes. water pitchers. But oh, when you so fill them with water, the water just trickles down, down. And about 10 minutes later, you might have a half a gallon of water that's been filtered. So they were using a technology called ACF, which is uh, active carbon fiber. And the Japanese developed this, this filtration fabric. It's like, a, it's like the clothing that you wear, but it's a fabric. Um, and it filters all the impurities out of water. And it flows very, very fast. And when I saw that, I went up to the company and I said, hey guys, you know, there's about 100 million water bottles out in the market right now. And there's no filtration devices for them. So why don't, why don't we develop a filter for a water bottle? So I said the majority of those water bottles that are out in the market, they're like Hydroflask and the ones from uh, Costco, which is Takea, uh, have the same lid. They all use the same lid. And there's all kinds of lids you can buy for them. You can buy one with a straw. You can buy one with a core lid. So I said, why don't we use that format and let's make a filter that will go on any water bottle that has a wide mouth format that will filter any, any kind of tap water anywhere in the world and you get clean water. So I started that and a year ago, last December, we introduced the first, uh, it's called the Kanga Pure, and it's a filter that goes in any water bottle. Oh my Lord. And that's what it looks like. I'm gonna show you the real thing. Right. Uh, so this has the display bottle on it, but this is, this is uh, the product. So this is a lid. And, and it the attaches, the filter attaches to the lid? Yeah, so the filter comes off like this. And you replace it about every three or four months. And we, we did something uh, called stack technology. So there's three two-layer filters in this one thing. And what happens is when the water fills up, it starts filling up here and it fills up here and here. And it starts trickling out at the base of all of these things. Got it. And so it goes really fast. So I can, this is as big as a wine bottle, believe it or not. Uh, I can fill this in about 30 seconds with clean water. Uh, and that took about two, a little more than two years to engineer. So there, the lid is three parts. So it's a third. It's the lid itself, and then there's the, the cap that goes on top of it. And the way this works is that you hold this under the tap and let water flow through it. And then when you put the lid back on, it lines up perfectly. So when you open up the spout, you're drinking clean water from inside the bottle. So anyway, that's, that's the newest product that I did uh, in COVID hit. So we, we have not done very well with it. Uh, just simply because, you know, we've all been shut down. Yeah. So I'm, I'm trying to get that launched. I just did a show in Las Vegas uh, last weekend, today, uh, and kind of formally launched it there. So we'll see how it goes. But it's a really cool product. And it's anybody that's drinking water on a daily basis and wants to just be able to get water from any tap anywhere, 
and have clean, pure water, this is a great product. I mean, if you're out in the park and you, you're carrying your water bottle, walking your dog, whatever you're doing, walking the kids, and you need fresh water, and you run out, you can go up to a water fountain and fill your bottle and be assured that, that it's clean. That just totally rocks. So uh, anyway, that's, that's what I've been doing. And along with painting and running that store that I showed you before, the store is called Beyond the Garden. And that all started off of my painting as well. So uh, we started doing these ceramic tiles with my paintings on them. And uh, I was doing them in a, a town called Luoyang, China, which is, uh, like it used to be the capital of China at one point in time, but now it's just a, an old, uh, it's kind of a rundown town, Soviet style town, but there's only a couple of places in the world that you can use ceramic tiles. And they, they all happen to be right in this town called Luoyang. And uh, so I, I went over there and I spent about a month with the factory and with the artists in there. And I worked with them showing them how I wanted to do my tiles. And I did a bunch of tiles for them, originals, so they could copy them and that. So that's really what started Beyond the Garden. And from there, everything else just kind of kicked into high gear. And it's been very successful here at Superstition Springs Mall in Mesa. Um, summertime's a little bit slow, but boy, when the when the holidays and the snowbirds come back, that place is busy all the time. So that's worked out pretty well. And that that allows me to do the other things that I'd like to do. So Well, big fat congratulations to you on that. I'm so tickled to hear it. Um, as I shared with you when we started rolling, um, you are one of my favorite people. And there uh, are lots of reasons. Um, I, I find, I, you know, just in general, I find you warm and funny and, and you've always been super kind to me and there's been a great rapport. I love your family, but you are fascinating to me. And I'm sure my audience is thinking, what, who is this guy? I, I think that you have this, uh, and it's been said of you, written of you, um, you are like a uh, nonstop entrepreneur, and um, and yeah, they, it's a sickness. <laughs> so wait, okay, so tell me about that. When you say it's a sickness, uh, like break that down. I know you kind of are using your sense of humor, but um, how, 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 where does that come from in you? If you can put words to it, you know, I'm I I've always had visions of things you know like when i saw the water filter in china and i thought immediately about all the water bottles that have been sold in the world and there's no filtration good filtration device uh and i mean i just got this overwhelming feeling it's almost like the spirit of the lord was going through me and said you need to do this and and everything went very smooth doing that and that's that's the way my life's been I've always been creating things like my customer Wells Fargo Bank this is a long time ago back when we first met uh, there was no such thing as a plain paper facsimile machine if you remember back then and some of your audience may not even been around probably not uh, facsimile machines used to use only thermal rolled paper that's right and banks couldn't use them very well because they need to store that paper for at least seven years. And thermal paper will fade after a couple of 
years. And so Wells Fargo Bank. Sorry to interrupt you, but just to be clear, thermal paper is like what they use when you get a receipt from someone and they tell you. That's correct. If, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's correct. So back in those days, there was, you know, it was a facsimile used only rolled uh, uh, thermal paper. So the bank, uh, Wells Fargo, asked me if I could create a, a, a plain paper facsimile machine. And I said, I don't see any reason why we can't, because at that point in time, laser printers were really getting started. There was really no reason to use thermal paper. If you could marry the receiving head of a facsimile machine to a laser printer, then it would work. And in about, and I worked with Sharp Electronics to do this project back and forth to Japan and, and all that. But uh, in about 90 days, we had the first prototype. Oh. And within six months, we had production. Oh. And that changed the entire world because facsimile machines with thermal paper disappeared. So Sharp and myself started it and then all the others followed suit. Now facsimile machines are, you know, gone altogether. Uh, but it was just one of those things. And it's, it's the way my life's been. I've always, I've always taken a problem and tried to solve it, either technologically or in a different way, like the water filter, like the bags. You know, prior to the Kanga bag, there was no bag to carry water and your personal items or no bag that carried a phone and water and your personal items. So these are a lot of firsts for me, although I'm not successful, not at all. Uh, you know, I'm just milling my way through life just like everybody else. And, but I don't stop. And I just, it drives Diane crazy because I just never want to stop. And I think when I stop, I'll die because it's just the way I am. I, I want to keep going. You know, and I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to be 70 years old pretty soon. Oh my um, goodness! And it's hard, it's hard for me to feel like that. I mean, I feel like I'm 30 or yeah. 35. Yeah. And and I'm in good health, and and my brain works really well. So, you know, I don't know that I'll ever stop. I'll keep going until I can't go anymore. I think. I, I don't think you'll ever stop either. So as I'm listening to you, <clears> because um, I I do think I'm a good listener, and I sort through things. I'm hearing you say that part of this is your makeup um, and perhaps because of your makeup and you and I, you know, share a common faith in God that, um, that, that God entrusts you with these ideas that he's, that, you know, you mentioned that he gave you this idea or he, whatever. And, and then it's also just in you, in you to be creative. Um, I hear those two things. And then I feel like there's a piece that we could glean. So those are very private and personal. Those are Ken, Ken Schilling. He was created this way. It's his design to be creative. It's his design not to stop, plus combined with his faith. Is there something in you that that, that is um, helpful or um or that you look to? For instance, you did share that you went through a time when things sort of um, collapsed for you in terms of the business and finances, and you and Diane went through a rough time. 
one, do you sense that in discouraging ways? Do you, do you feel that? Um, well, I'll let you answer that first and then I'll come back to the rest of it. Um, do I predict it? Is that what you're trying to no, ask? Do you sense that? Do you sense like, let's say I would, that that would be something discouraging. Do you, do you let that into you? How do you manage when something challenging like that happens to you that isn't, that, that, it, that wasn't expected or wasn't good? I keep looking for another avenue all the time. I mean, I never stop. Even when I'm successful, I never stop. Because uh, one of the people that I always loved in my life, you know very well, uh, Walt Kalisted, always said to me, and I, he and I suffer from the same problem, I think, and that's you know incurable growth. You want to continue to grow and grow and grow. And, but Walt said to me one time that if you're not growing, you're dying. And mm. that really hit home for me. So, I mean, you can, you can fail and throw up your hands and go, I failed. I can't, I can't do it anymore. And, and just, you know, succumb to whatever it is that you're going to succumb to. I could have easily gone and gotten a job with somebody, you know, with what I do and my experience. But I, I don't think I'm employable. I don't know that I can work. Or somebody other than myself. Um, so I, I think that part of it, I just keep trying to reinvent myself. And same thing with the art. You know, did I think I could make it as an artist? I didn't know. I just love doing it. And now I teach three days a week. Uh, you know, and I'm not professionally trained. I didn't go to university to study art or anything like that. I just learned it. I just figured it out. And, and for whatever reason, I took the painting like a duck takes the water. And uh, people kept asking me, can you teach it? Can you teach it? Can you teach it? And I finally, five years ago, said, yeah, okay, I will. So now it's, it's like, you know, I've brought so many people to oil painting. I feel like Bob Ross sometimes that, <laughs> you know, that, that, you know, so many people come into this studio gallery and they walk out with this beautiful painting that they never thought they could do. Now, granted, I'll take their brush off of them and, and help them along with their painting if they're struggling, but they walk out of here and they're glowing. And they've got this beautiful piece of art that they're either gonna keep or gonna gift. Uh, and I have people that have been with me almost six years now that, that I teach, and they continuously come back for more and more and more. So that, that's been really rewarding, and I enjoy that. Can I make a living at it? Not the kind of living I want to make, but, you know, certainly is not uh, free. So, you know, it, in, it's, in it's what, a good feeling. Can you share um, uh, a little bit about your art and the way it's been acknowledged or what, or, or I mean, just in terms of, uh, of the professional side of it? I know that it was you shared that you used it in, in the wine industry. Any other accolades or notable things about it? Uh, you know, it's been featured in magazines uh, a few times. Um, but not really. I mean, I, you know, I've won a bunch of awards for my paintings and, and that. And it, when I first started, I started with photorealism. And now I do things that are a little bit more loose, a little bit more free, more impressionistic. But I still can go back to uh, 
if somebody asked me to do a portrait, I still can go back to that and do a photorealistic portrait, um, like the one I showed you earlier. Uh, and a family hired me recently to do um, every member of their family, a portrait wow. for every member. So I'm, I'm in the process of doing that now. Oh, wow. And people hire me to do all kinds of things, whether it's portraits of their animals. I can't tell you how many people have, have painted dogs for and horses and, and things like that. And unfortunately, deceased people, it seems like they wait till you die before they want you to paint them. But, you know, uh, so I can go either way. And I think that's what's really good about my art is that I can go from photorealism to the most extreme impressionistic uh, paintings that you can do. Like the one I showed you on the easel back there of the birch trees, that thing is all done with a, a palette knife. The entire painting is done with a palette knife. If you don't know what a palette knife is, it looks like a little, like something is spread icing with or, yep. or something. Mm -hmm. like it's flat, uh-huh. Yeah, so, uh, and it, the colors are really rich. And, and that is out. crazy. What I find, what I find, and I know you said you took some classes. I do remember a story where someone said, I've kind of taken you as far as I can take you, given your natural talent. And, and, and you said that you always kind of sketched and doodled and what have you. Were you surprised at all at your talent once you launched into it? Yeah, actually, I was ready to quit. I just was ready to fail. <laughs> You know, I, I decided that uh, if I start painting and I'm bad, I'll just quit. And it didn't happen. I mean, it just, I took to it right away. In fact, the lady that was teaching me at the time was really quite intimidated by the fact that I could just start where most people end. You know, like they've been painting for years and they still haven't gotten it. But I could start there and then go forward from there. So, but. Yeah, I was actually really surprised. And I and truthfully, I find painting uh, with color a lot easier than drawing with a, a charcoal or a pencil or something like that, because it's, it's just natural. Because you can see colors, you can see movement, you can th see things that you can't see when it's monotone and there's no colors to separate shapes and things like that, so. And then yeah. um, you, you took to kind of you said that it is kind of a common thing i hadn't really seen it before but you did a beautiful carving from a gourd i did and had you ever done that before no so the product that i just saw just moments ago and that i did think i see i, th I thought i saw a picture on facebook um that was your first stab at it yep wow People listening to me, this man is just fascinating. You want to see and it again? I would. I, I. I. They can't see it, but they oh. will. They, I will post pictures. But okay. um, uh, I, I. I. I don't know. I don't know, kiddo. I think you're. <laughs> I think you're really something else. And I. Um, I appreciate that. What I hear from you, though, for myself, um, I am pushing through the hesitancies i am a hesitant person i'm hesitant yeah. i let things tie my feet up if you can imagine like twine where you know you just make these little steps and it becomes cumbersome and that's you know a lot in my head it's also might 
be part of my makeup. I know that I'm very creative, but I am at a place probably just in my age and kind of sort of tired of that running the show. And um, yeah. your don't stop message is super encouraging to me. Is there anything you would tell anyone like me that's listening that could be a little bit of a, 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 of, of, a, of a something that they could suck on for a while and take with them and maybe make a difference in their day tomorrow where they haven't chosen that way before? Well, one of the things I think that most of us suffer from is that we, we get frustrated at a certain point in time with whatever we're doing, whether it's a, whether we're working for someone else or, or we're working for ourselves or, or we're playing sports or I don't care what it is. And that's a breakthrough moment. That's when you have to say, I'm going to continue because so many people quit just before they're successful and, and it happens day in and day out. You know, so many people give up in their, in their job because they think they can't go any further. And they didn't know that maybe a year from now or two weeks from now or a month from now that something was going to change that that lifted them back up. Um, but some people are content at that plane, too. Some people, you know, will say, I really don't care. You know, I get my paycheck and I go home and I don't worry about payroll and I don't worry about all this stuff. I live within my means and, and they're quite content. I'm not that way. I've never been that way in my entire life. Even as a kid, as a paper boy, I wasn't that way, you know. So, um, so there are the, those of us that are like that. There are those that just don't really care if they go any further. But I, I do know that a lot of people stop just when they're they're ready to get going. And working with a lady right now that she's doing a line of cosmetics and some really unique products and she's an esthetician and she formulates her own stuff and it's very, very good stuff. And she works for a very high end Scottsdale. Uh, I, I don't, it's a gynecology doctor, but they have, a, it's huge. It's a, they have so many doctors and they act, they have a beauty part of it. That they do laser and all that stuff. So I'm working with her she started three years ago and she quit because she never really launched. And I said, what you've got is something that's very unique and you've got to, you've got to keep going for it, going for it, going for it until, until you either decide that, you know, it's too much for me or you break through. And I said, you're at that point where I believe you can break through. So I've been working with her and working with different factories here in the United States and also in and China to get these products to market. And uh, they're great products. I've used them myself. They work very well. And, you know, but she was ready to throw in the towel until she met me. And I said, you need to, you need to keep going because they look like something that people would use, uh, you know, on a regular basis. So anyway. No, I think that that is, um, as I'm listening to you, I think that's something that even though it might not be always articulated, in, uh, that's an essence about you that is an encourager and that you kind of lead by example. And I needed this time with you today at this day for many, many reasons. That's another story, another podcast. But um, 
I thank you, Ken Schilling, for giving oh, me the time. I am going to stick a little closer to you and track you because I love what's <laughs> happening. I know it feels like going across the country. I'm in the Northwest Valley and you're in the Southeast Valley, but I need to get out there and see you. I'll talk to you about that when I, um, when I stop record, but don't go anywhere. Let me just All thank right. you again okay, um, thank for you. sharing. And I will put appropriate links once you and I clarify what those are so that my okay. audience can check out those products as well as your artwork, but you've just been a blessing and a joy. Don't leave, I wanna say bye to you on a personal level. So hey, right, I'm gonna stop much. recording now. All right, okay, thank you. Okay, take home for the day, maybe the week, the month, I might even earmark it for the year. If you're not growing, you're dying. I'm gonna lose sleep over that tonight. Boy, did that get me. And I'm so selfish. I have these guests on just in the time that I know they're going to serve me so well. I don't know that I'm consciously thinking of that, but it must be something in my spirit that says I need to hear from a Ken Schilling. And we have all heard from him. He's just a super cool dude. So I hope you enjoyed him. He'll be back. We'll learn more from him. We'll break down sort of his process a little bit if he'll let us into that mind of his. But thank you again for joining me today. Like, subscribe, share, and send me a comment. I want to hear from y'all. Bye. <laughs>